Welcome to episode 837 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I woke up this morning and saw that I won my Gregory Soto bid in my AL Keeper League, and that made me very happy because <laughs> Gregory Soto is the future for Detroit, and I was rather surprised I won the bid. I think I put in a $7 bid because I wanted to price him where if it works out, he's a good keeper. I didn't want to go stupid nuts on him for this year. Uh, so I was like, eh, if I get him, if I get him, great. If I don't, then somebody else is paying a higher price for a reliever. And it worked out. So Greg Soto is on my team, and that dude is throwing darts. Uh, velocities up from last year. Uh, throwing strikes this year. Yeah, I like what I see every time I see Greg Soto take the mound for the Tigers. Are you thinking he might become the closer at some point? Or, I mean, I don't think That's they're going to make... All right. <laughs> That's my spec. But in the meantime, I'll take what I can get out of him. But when we see a guy whose velocity is up two and a half miles over last year, uh, that's noticeable. I mean, his his uh, fastball went from 95.3 to 97.7 to the slider, 84.9 to 88.3. So he's made some, mecha- some mechanical changes, throwing harder. Uh, and I, I'm on board until oh. he falls apart like every other damn pitcher this year. <laughs> God bless it. I like him the as like a uh, Justin Mason 2019 team. Yeah, there it hurt. is. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. Uh, I like him as just like a reliever, but I just don't know that. I mean, they have no lefties in that pen. It's him and Tyler and or Tyler Alexander, um, who might as well have been the congressman from Iowa. You know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I, I just don't know that. Uh, he's going to get a shot considering he's kind of pretty much the only lefty in the back end of that bullpen. Yeah, you would figure in a, in a 60-man alternative camp they may have something, but maybe they don't. Uh, and this is this is where it's going to be. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But like I said, every, every pitcher is going down with some kind of something. They quite literally, they only have one other lefty reliever in camp. That's, I mean, it, it, they have, I mean, they have Tarek Skubal's obviously uh, a starter. It, it'll be interesting, though, because there's reports that Casey Mize is going to come up and pitch. Yeah, I saw that last night. Um, which I'm I'm just surprised that the Tigers are going to be willing to start the clock on really any of their guys this year. But I guess they see themselves at 5-3 and three and like, well, we have a shot. True. Uh, I mean... They've at least been more entertaining to watch. I think one of the things uh, that's been noticeable in watching some of their games is, you know, like they're catching up to the modern times. Uh, They lead the league in shifts. uh, And that's not something I would ever expect to see from Detroit. But I was watching the Luis Castillo versus Spencer Turnbull outing on Friday night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Friday night. Uh, And there's a graph. There's Tigers leading the league in shifts. And yeah, I think they used to be the trailer. Uh, in that department, and here they are doing some things, and really liked what I saw from Spencer Turnbull until the fourth inning. His first uh, first nine to twelve batters were good. Um, that was an interesting matchup too, because Luis Castillo, you know, the uh, you would thought like there was a eight, he was eight thousand dollars in DraftKings. You're like, all right, yeah. here we go, right? And the bottom of the lineup just absolutely killed him. He gave up five runs. They all came from the seven to nine spot. I don't know what it was in that game, but he was just cruising through one through six. And in the bottom of the guys, maybe he thought he could take it off. But those were the guys that wore him out in that game. Dude, so frustrating. I had such a good lineup that day. And all I needed was, you know, a few extra points from uh, from Castillo, who seemed like the obvious. He was the chalkiest play that day. Uh, like Everybody was rostering him. But, uh, yeah, that, um, that, that was disappointing. 
Um, we're going to talk about uh, a bunch of things today, some potential pickups, and two-start pitchers, but we're going to start with some closer chaos because it has been absolutely ridiculous in the closer department. Uh, I, I guess those who didn't pay for saves this year are doing fairly well, or if you paid for you know the correct guys, you're doing fairly well this year. Uh, but we, we just have a ton of nonsense going on, so I wanted to kind of get your take on whether or not uh, or what what you're going to do in some of these situations. So Roberto Osuna leaves hurt last night. Looking at his forearm, uh, sounds really, really scary. Uh, they brought in Cy Sneed to finish out the game, but uh, Ryan Presley had already pitched earlier in the outing. Who do you think is the closer in Houston if Osuna has to go on the IL? By the way, all I'm going to do is cry. Mm-hmm. That's because it, this is like every team situation is a nightmare. And yeah, Presley had pitched earlier, but he hadn't even pitched well. I mean, he's been dealing with his own arm issues. And so it's like, okay, sure, maybe it is size deep because he wins health by default. But, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about possibly, or maybe that was the Rotowire, and talked about Joe Biagini. Well, he's out hurt too. And so this Astros bullpen, and just like most teams, has injury issues right now. And that's, and it could be just, I mean, maybe Andre Scrub, the best name ever. Uh, you know, <laughs> possibly that Brian Abreu. I mean, just take your throw your dart and see what happens. Uh, if if Presley's arm shows up okay, then yeah, he would be the guy because he's got the best stuff. If Osuna is going to be out, but again, Pre- this was Presley's first outing back, and he did not look good. Uh, and that's where we got to see what the situation is going to be with him uh, if he's out of the woods yet. So that's that's where it sits. There's not a clear clear cut answer here. If Presley's not fully out of the woods, I mean, it's probably going to end up being Fernando Rodney, right? They did just sign him to mine. Oh, yeah, I forgot deal. about that. Landing. There you go. That could be it, too. <laughs> like, I feel like that is Dusty Baker's like preferred option. <laughs> He's super old. Uh, you know, um, I forgot to Chris Davinsky, elbow soreness, him, too. It's like, oh. if. Four, they have four guys, three and a half guys between Osuna, Biagini, and Davinsky, and mm-hmm. then Presley not out of the woods. That's like their six, seven, eight, nine guy on paper in the start of the season. They're all gone. Oh, and Brad Peacock is you know on, on the. Oh, IL. there you go. Yeah. I mean, just they're they're they've been absolutely tormented by pitching injuries this year. Um, yeah, I I think it's gonna be Presley as long as he's healthy. But it would not surprise me if it was, yeah, Snice, or Size, I can't even say it, Size Sneed um, or uh, or Rodney at some point. You would have to think that this is a team that is going to address this via trade. Uh, I mean, this division is completely bunched up. Uh, I mean, even the Mariners only half came back early on. Uh, so I, you got to think that they're going to go out and get someone. Go get Ian Kennedy. I mean, mm-hmm. go. He just, you know, the Royals have clearly have other options, but, you know, go do something like that. But this is just sad. I mean, again, with that, even you've got Austin Pruitt out elbow. You've got Verlander out with a forearm. You got you mentioned Peacock. Urquidy is still not on the team. And it's just like this team had so much pitching depth heading into the season, and it's all on the IL right now. Mm-hmm. This is why you can never have too many pitchers. Uh, let's move over to Chicago uh, because last night Rowan Wick – Came in, got the save. Uh, is this the end of, um, oh God, blanking on his name now. Um, <laughs> Kimber- uh, Grimble. K- K- Grimble. <laughs> is Rowan Wick, do you think he's the guy? Or is this going to turn into a committee situation we don't want to have anything to do with? I think it's a committee situation. But the really the alarming thing with, with Craig Kimbrell that, I mean, 
we all had there was enough red flags to start the season where you're like, yeah, that, that you know, that's not good. But the alarming thing with him, when you look at just his inability to get swings and misses, and that has never been a problem in Craig Kimball's career, but he can't do it right now. And like, in fact, if you go to the Savant leaderboard and sort by minimum 25 pitches, he has the lowest swing and miss rate in baseball right now. One pitch has generated a swing and miss out of 46. One. I mean, John Lester has two out of 76. And so by percentage, even John Lester has a higher rate at 2.6%. But Kimbrell has generated one swing and miss out of 46 pitches. And when when basically the opposing batters are going to wait for you to throw a strike, that's what happens. And when you fall behind, you got to come in the zone. That's the kind of stuff that happens. But there were enough red flags there. But, man, to see him 423rd, Mm -hmm. yikes, or huge yikes, as the kids like to say. Is that what the kids like to say now? I, I, I that's what my kids say around that. All right. Jokes. So I'm just gonna go with what I'm gonna go with my sample size of two, uh, <laughs> and say that's what the kids say these days. But yeah, that's that's not no bueno when your closer can't get a swing in this. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm probably. I mean, obviously, if you're in a position uh, where you've lost a closer or two, you don't like my TGFBI team at this point. I don't know that it has a closer. Uh, so like I may have to dip into some of these situations, but for the most part, I'm trying to avoid them, uh, the, the best I can, I guess Wick is likely probably going to share it with, with Jeremy Jeffress. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Ross resource has it as Wick Jeffress and then Kyle Ryan, who I don't really know either. So, but I guess he's the lefty, so it'll be a situational type thing. Uh, I mean, I think Kimber will get it back at some point if he can find anything. Um, I mean, that that bullpen is just truly atrocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, next situation, uh, Paul and I talked about this briefly earlier in the week, and then that night, uh, James Grinchek comes in, gets the save. Uh, Brad Hand was unavailable because he had pitched like the previous two uh, days. Uh, it's obvious that Hand just does not have it anymore and it seems like he's probably going to lose this role sooner or later so is James Krenchek the closer uh, I certainly hope so four shares of James Krenchek uh, targeted him uh, in a lot of drafts and when you've seen when you've watched when you've watched hand pitch it has I mean he already looks tired we talked about how he limped to the finish line the last couple of years but he are he already looks like he's there and that's problematic. Like his his four seamer is down two miles an hour from last year, ninety two seven average last year, ninety point eight right now. That's problematic. And so he's already looking like, and even the slider's down two miles an hour uh, for him. And that's his money pitch. And if his money pitch is losing some effectiveness, he's in trouble. Uh, we know Karinchak can miss bats. We also know that he has a history of missing the strike zone too. And that's where the risk uh, that's where the risk is implied. But if you had hand, you'd likely. Uh, had were trying to target Karinchak in the reserves. I didn't. I had zero shares of hand this year, but I was absolutely targeting Karinchak because I looked at the fact that he's going to get strikeouts regardless of if he's closing or, or working in relief, and he should be good enough uh, for ratios if everything comes together. Uh, and we've seen some flashes of what he's capable of already this year, and, and that's that's one save in the bank uh, uh, for him already. And I don't know if, if Han's going to hold that job uh, for the rest of the time because, again, you watch him pitch. It does not look good. They keep throwing him out there, but that's not that's the guy we saw in late August and September that limped to the finish line, and that's mm-hmm. not the guy that we saw 
that that Francona was just going to time and time and time again and getting the results that he needed. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time before uh, Karinchik, uh grabs this role and just runs with it. Uh, I mean, it seems like he is ahead of Whitgren at this point. He did come in for the save the other night uh, when Whitgren was available. So, uh, I mean, they may stick with Hand for a few more, but especially shallow leaguers. I know in like NFBC, he's just not available anymore, uh, uh, Karinchek. Um, but, uh, he should be available in, in most home leagues. So if you're, if you're playing the home leagues, uh, and you're looking for a guy to spec on, I think of the guys we've mentioned so far, he, he's the one that I would, uh, put the majority of my money on, uh, for, for this fab period. Hey, uh, can we go some diddy diddy breaking news? Oh, breaking news. Let's do it. Joey Votto lands on the IL with undisclosed reasons. Yeah, it sounds like it's a precautionary move for COVID. It sounds like he showed some symptoms of it, and they haven't gotten the test results back. So. Yeah, let's hope. I mean, because I mean, good news. Right before we started recording, they uh, said that Philly had another day mm-hmm. of negative tests for team wide. So if you know the, and they think that the 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 team worker in the front, whoever the two non players that tested positive may have been false positive tests. So mm-hmm. that's a good sign. That the Marlins aren't uh, a disease factory. Uh, and that well, they are. Yeah, they're hurting themselves. They weren't. They didn't. It didn't spread to the other club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that would be a, a positive sign. And you know, we see it, starting to see the same thing with St. Louis. Um, I haven't kept track of the Cincinnati schedule to see who since he's played recently, other than Detroit. It seems like that's all their games right now. Uh, and maybe they did play the uh, the, the Cardinals earlier. I don't recall. Uh, but th- that's a positive sign in that regard that they're uh, but unrelated. I'm worried about the catching situation. Like the Sun Sentinel had an article about the the catch, like four catchers had mm-hmm. uh, already hit the IL with COVID. And then uh, Kevin Smith uh, from the, the race third catcher hit it. Mike Zanino's talking about opting out. Uh, and and we saw Travis Darno and Tyler Flowers not test positive, but had COVID-like symptoms. And mm-hmm. they hit the IL and came back recently. It's like, if any one position, like that one seems to be, obviously you're, you're close to two different mm-hmm. humans for the entire uh, time you're in the defensive uh, game. And, uh, you know, a lot of hitters aren't wearing masks. Some of them are. I think I've seen, uh, ironically, Travis Darno is the only guy I've seen that would wear, has worn a full face cover yeah. at the plate. Why, uh, why? Everybody else is like tucking it down. Why aren't catchers and umpires, like I understand batters not wanting to wear it, um, though, I mean, ultimately just do what you got to do, uh, just keep everybody safe. But like, I don't understand why catchers and umpires aren't required to wear masks. Yeah. I guess it's like the same reason why pitching coaches are still covering their mouth when they're wearing a mask, talking to, uh, talking to pitchers on the mound. Just, I mean, I, if you can read their lips through that, sh- <laughs> it's yeah. like, I, I keep seeing it where guys are covering their eyes. It's like, wow, I, I know like habits die hard, but my God, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't. They just need to do, I mean, this is the only place on the field where people are required to be near each other for the most part. I mean, outside of, you know, you know, man on first and first baseman hold him on the back. I mean, it just, those p- places just require people to wear masks. That It makes the most amount of sense. Nice. Um, all right, let's, uh, l- let's move over to the Mets situation. Uh, midweek this last week. Uh, we heard reports that the Mets were going to discuss not having Edwin Diaz in high leverage situations. Uh, the other night, they bring in Dylan Batanzas for the save. He promptly gets lit up. Uh, and then Seth Lugo comes in and finishes the job getting lit up, and the Mets lose the game. Uh, 
so here's here's the question: Is it is it Dylan Batanzas? Is it Seth Lugo? Is it Edwin Diaz or Joe Pizapia, the closer in New York? The answer is yes, uh, especially <laughs> Joe. Uh, I mean, Joe can close a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, and I so. I, I didn't see the Diaz outing against Boston, but I did see his other outings. And like even the home run that he gave up to Ozuna, understand that was a great pitch. It was just great hitting by Ozuna. I think the the, the problem I had with that particular uh, step was the execution. He had thrown five pitches pretty much in that same vertical. If you were to cut the uh, you know cut the columns, the three columns in uh, the the middle third, outer third, and then the, the third right off the plate. Five pitches in a row in that right on that black. And it's just like he was leaning, 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 leaning. Uh, would apply the same thing to uh, Blake Snell's most recent outing. We gave up the home runs to Santander uh, and Severino. He had been pitching out there to the righties the entire time. And, you know, they lean out and lean out. All this, You keep looking away. All of a sudden, away, you know, something on the outer third is middle, middle. Uh, and so I liked what I saw from Diaz on the other two outings, except for, you know, one pitch and execution. Now, I, again, didn't see what happened in the Boston game. So, uh, you know, I did see a highlight about bases loaded, like he hit somebody with the bases loaded. That obviously is not going to be a good situation. But that's the thing. The fastball commands, it's not going to, this was the risk going in with Diaz. The expected stats said, get back on board. Things are here. Things should be good. But we knew that there would be a quick hook because on paper, there was a lot of depth in this bullpen, but right now nobody's getting outs and the bullpen uh, has been blowing the situation. So I don't know how they run away from Diaz, but I don't know if he goes from high leverage to no leverage and he comes and become a sixth inning reliever. That's the thing that you got to worry about with him. But, you know, everything else looks like it did last year. And again, he got off to such a crappy start the start last year. Then he pitched well after that. Um, but teams can't afford can't afford to give guys a long leash this year with this with this short schedule. So he may lose the job and then end up doing what he did last year and pitch effectively down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, I I, I this is a whole mess. I think Batanzas is likely to get the first few, but I mean, they also have you know Juris Familia. Uh, in back at the end, back end of this bullpen, they really like Seth Lugo, but I just think that they prefer him in that multi-inning reliever role. Uh, so he'll probably sneak some a few saves. I mean, eventually, I would assume they're gonna give Diaz back the opportunity if he can figure things out. But I think Batanzas is a guy I'm kind of betting on. But I'm really, I'm really just picking guys up in this bullpen and then just stashing them on my on my bench i'm, I'm not gonna, almost, I'm not starting anybody it's a weird situation i mean drew smith looks pretty decent ironically it's chase and shreve that leads the league and swings and misses wow and the percent like percentage of swings and misses i tweeted this out this morning chase and shreve you know the guy that yankee fans love to hate because he was like he was like the other team's victory cigar last year and so far like he's pitched well in his situations this year so you know they've got pieces and the only reason I bring him up because Justin Wilson has pitched late in some games too I and mean, you look at a team like oh they're not going to use the lefty but you got Shreve and Zamora there so maybe Justin Wilson does come in that capacity or familiar because a he has the experience and and the and the way and the, the type of pitcher he is that could put him in the play so there are plenty of options there but Again, I still think Diaz has the best stuff when it's all there but this is not the ideal this last outing just on the heels of giving up the walk-off, uh, not the walk-off, but the game-tying home run to Ozuna was the last thing he needed for job security. Yeah, I mean, this team has gone from being really, really interesting to just being straight-up Mets. 
Yeah, it, it is met. It is messing things up already, and that's unfortunate because this again on paper really good team, but the Mets are messing it up right now, and it, it's I feel bad for their fans. Uh, this is the second year in a row where I've looked at this team like, man, look at this. This this team's got a lot of potential. Damn, we're Derek Cardi. Derek Cardi said that it was the best offense on paper. You know, you know the bat ran their projections before the start yeah. of the season with the new schedule, and that. The Mets had the best offense in the National League on paper, but we, it never works out on paper for the Mets. It just, well, it just and to be fair, the team is hitting. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the team. Is, but we is also thought well. the rotation would be a strength, and that's yeah. clearly not. I mean, Degrom's Degrom, um, and Walk has had some moments where I was like, okay, but Mats has not been very good. Porcello's been atrocious. Uh, David Peterson's been a, a bit interesting. He he could stick in that rotation uh, for a little while. Let, let's move on, talk about the Kansas City Royals. Uh, this is another situation that Paul and I talked about, I think, on Thursday. And then that night, Trevor Rosenthal got the save instead of Greg Holland. So, um, And obviously, they still have Ian Kennedy, who was really good in the role. Uh, and as you mentioned, he probably they probably just need to trade him to another spot if they're not going to give him give him the job. It seems like this is just a straight-up committee that Matheny is just going to go with whoever he feels has the best matchup in the moment. Is that what you're thinking as well? I, I do think so, and it's it's unlike Matheny because he's such a traditionalist in the mm-hmm. way he d- does things. But, yeah, he, he did it with Holland, and I saw a lot of huge – like, I want to say Holland's fab bid and tout was like $280-something, yeah. and then Rosenthal goes out and gets the next save. So that, you know, when you look, when you try to figure out where they're going to go with things, and you try to look at bullpen usage and, and just take a look at how things are with their bullpen usage. And, you know, some of the stuff is availability, because even on pitch counts, it's like Holland was 17 on Thursday, 13 on Friday. And so that made him unavailable Saturday, you know, last night. Uh, you know, you try to look and see where guys are being, that's just on pitch count and total pitches. But even, you know, Kennedy's only thrown 12 pitches this week. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, 17 and 12. So Wednesday and Thursday. So he didn't pitch Friday, didn't pitch Saturday. So we're recording today, Sunday. You figure he comes in. Yeah, like if there's a save situation, maybe it's him. Because, uh, well, neither Rosenthal nor Holland pitched la- uh, on Saturday night either. Uh, so, you know, because it was they got blown out by the White Sox. Uh, so all of them are available. So I think today, if they get into that save situation, they'll be telling to see who's got the lead there because ideally all of them are fresh because they had a skip day off, but Kennedy has not, did not pitch the last two games. Whereas Rosenthal and Holland did both pitch on Friday night. Yeah. I, I think this is just going to be a mess. <laughs> like, and uh, like, I understand like people wanting to dip into the Mets uh, or the next situation we're going to talk about with Texas. Um, you know, or even, even the Cubs situation, because those teams are going to win some games. Like, I just don't see how, like, you know, we're, we're pretty much a sixth of the way through the season at this point, right? So we're, we're talking about, like, they have three wins. So we're talking about a potential of, I don't know, 15 more wins for the Royals. Um, I mean, every, every situation, that's the thing is every situation is so messy. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at the top, you look at the closer and, and figure, okay, you know, where's, where's your leaderboard, uh, for, for closers dials down Ozuna down Diaz was still drafted as a top eight closer 
eh, you know, he may not be. Kimbrell is still getting drafted. He's it's like everything is it's, it's not going great, Bob. Uh, it just isn't. And it, it, all these situations are going to be a mess. And, you know, I saw guys in my – I mentioned as at, the, at the top how I got Greg Soto, but guys are out there spending you – know, we have, uh, twenty. if you spend $25 on a free agent guy, you either have to keep him or pay a fee the following year. Guys were paying $25 for Cole Slusser, $24. Wow. You know, I forgot the other – yeah, people are buying these guys because – that's a situation things are in. Jose LeClerc, also down. And Jose LeClerc's going to be out six weeks mm-hmm. as we move to the Texas situation. Uh, kills me because I've got him in two different high, higher stakes leagues, and, and that sucks. But that's what the situation is right now. It's ugly, and it's not going to get any better because these minor – the, the thing with uh, LeClerc was the same injury that uh, Corey Kluber had. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no ta- you know, like a grade one or a grade two, but we're probably not going to see LeClerc until September, and when he comes back, he's not going to have you – know, well, they're not going to say, okay, get right back into it. We're definitely not because they put him on the 45-day IL, which is yeah. you know the, the this year's version of the 60-day. So, like, he's – at best, he's coming back at the end of September, and like you said, at that point, someone will either have cemented themselves in the role – or they'll want to give him some time to kind of ramp up uh, in, in low leverage situations. So I mean, I, while yeah. I'm wishing I drafted more shares of Joe H- uh, Jimenez, yeah, right, I did. Uh, thank God I got him on one of my main event teams. <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, got him in labor. I've labor out one of the two, and I was like, yeah, there mm-hmm. we go. I got one guy, uh, and he was the third closer I drafted because those Hansel Robles. There's another guy. Those yeah. shares are looking pretty bad right now too. Yeah, let's talk about that Texas situation. Nick Goody came in and picked up the save the other night uh, and then promptly came into the sixth inning last night. And then he was followed in the seventh inning by Jesse Chavez. So <laughs> are we assuming that Jonathan Hernandez is the guy in uh, in Texas? You know, I thought, but then we, the others, I mean, coming into the season, I thought it would be Rafael Montero. But guess what? He's got elbow tendonitis mm-hmm. and he's on the injured list. And I also like Joely Rodriguez. Oh, he's got a strain Latin. He's out too. Uh, and so we get down to the top three options in this bullpen preseason. Leclerc, Montero, Rodriguez all out on the IL right now. And so, yeah, I do think it's Fernandez almost by default. Mm-hmm. But this may be a situation where Chris Woodward's going to manage this situation like we're seeing a lot of other managers. The save is when the game is on the line. It's not the ninth inning all the time. Yeah, you Nick Anderson owners, I'm looking at you because that guy still doesn't have a save opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, he keeps coming into the seventh and saving the game. Uh, then the Rays have lost four in a row because, again, the offense has, has opted out of the season uh, while we wait for Austin Meadows to come back and Nate Lowe to get promoted and, we'll, uh, and Wander Franco. You know, give me give me some hope here. But uh, anyhow, it's like this is what's left. And so I think it could be Hernandez by default only because they're running out of options. And let's not forget, this was a bad bullpen coming into the year. Uh, so even if Jonathan Hernandez is the closer, how many times is he going to get the opportunity to save a game? Because I mean, this the starting staff for the you know Lynn's going deep into games, Miner's working, Lyles that ain't working, um, lawn maintenance guys getting you five innings, and and Kobe <laughs> Allard is what he is. But this bullpen isn't so good, is not good, uh, and that's the problem. Is like, can they get? Can they even get the ball to him in the ninth inning mm-hmm. for saves? Uh, give him three. Give give me Hernandez and three to four saves the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I just I think it's another one of these situations which unless you're desperate, you're kind of avoiding. I, th- I think it's got a little bit more clarity than the Kansas City situation or the Mets situation. Um, but yeah, I mean I think you're right. I mean this this was this was a known weakness. This isn't like the Mets situation where we're going, why is everything so awful? 
this this was uh, we knew that the Texas bullpen was an absolute mess coming into the year, and it's probably one of the reasons why we thought that Leclerc, you know, was a pretty safe option because there just wasn't many people behind him. Uh, interestingly enough, they uh, roster resource has uh, Edison uh, Volquez as a closing option for them. That that might actually sure. Be, why not? <laughs> old, old guy, you know, he's experienced. You know, that kind sure, of bullshit. Why not? Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm staying away from it. I mean, Hernandez is a dart throw for me, but I'm probably just staying out of it uh, if I can't avoid it. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about some potential pickups for the week. I wanted to talk to you, start with some Rays corner here. Uh, Willie Adames was batting third. I think it was last night, actually. Uh, he's one of the few guys on this Rays team that uh, doesn't platoon ever because he, he's the shortstop and he's a, he's a damn good defender. and uh, He's got power and speed. Is he a guy that you should be grabbing off the wire if he's still available? Uh, he looks like crap right now. And I'm talking like on both sides, of, both sides of things. And that's where it's concerning for me. It's like, he's made four errors in the field already this week. And these aren't like bad. These are like bad fielding plays, like balls coming right to him. And he looks bad in the field and it's carrying over to his uh, things at the plate. Now, what he is doing is walking. Uh, it's like a three, two outcome guy right now. 17, you know, he's got walks and he's got a lot of strikeouts. Um, he has yet to, he has yet to, uh, Take one deep. Yeah, he's hitting 292. Like the offensive average is there. So he's that part of it. But overall, to me, he has looked, he hasn't looked like the guy that we saw at the plate last year uh, and down the stretch of the season where he was hitting with authority. Right now, it's a lot of hitting mistakes. Uh, I saw there was a, a last night facing Wade LeBlanc. You know, Wade LeBlanc can barely break glass with his fastball. But the way he was pitching him, you know, he threw a first pitch changeup strike one then go off the fat go with the fast get something fouled off like work away away and then freeze him on the inner third with 88 i mean, just freeze him with a straight fastball on 88 that should be hittable first pitch breaking ball he doesn't look like he has an approach at the plate right now uh and that's where that's what's been frustrating to see me watch but yeah he's been hitting third fourth fifth hitting higher in the lineup i think that changes if they bring austin meadow back on tuesday which is um the rumor uh that he'll join the team when they come back home uh, to face boston um, and so that could that'll probably knock him down the lineup right now because they're just looking for anything. The the this road trip has been ugly, uh, and they have not been able to generate the runs they were generating from home. So, you know, I I would like to see more, but again, you want to be a week early versus a week late. But this has not been a good week for him. Uh, and so if you see him if you see him dropped or somebody's frustrated, somebody wants to pull a trigger on a trade, fine. But I have not I have not liked what I've seen from him overall. And I'm worried that the defensive issue is going to carry over to the plate, and we'll see these numbers start sliding down. Yeah, uh, I'm interested. He's always been a guy that I've been intrigued by. You know, the defense is usually pretty good. You know, power, speed, batting average can be hit or miss with that strikeout rate, like you mentioned. There are some concerning things in that profile. Uh, just the amount he is kind of swinging and missing, not making a lot of contact. But when he is making contact, he's making hard contact, so... Uh, his ground ball rate is like 75% right now. And obviously super early in the season, but uh, I mean, he's hitting the ball hard and on the ground. I just don't know if that's going to, it, it's working well right now because he's got a, you know, a really nice high Babbitt, but uh, yeah, I, there definitely are some concerning things available in a lot of leagues, especially deeper leagues. 
I want to say is available in about 60% of, uh, or about 40% of NFBC leagues, which is pretty rare to see a guy who's playing every day uh, that available. So I, I think I'm going to take a dart throw on him in a few leagues, uh, you know, where, where I need middle infield help. But uh, I, I do see kind of some of those red flags you're talking about. Uh, Nick Markakis is opted back in because apparently that is a thing as well. I didn't even realize that was a thing, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. It was like, I I think players were confused. Like, I don't even know if they're technically allowed to or if he just did. One of those kind of, like, things you do with your wife where you, you ask for forgiveness instead of permission. <laughs> uh, like, I'm back. Wait, no. No, no, you're not allowed. No, no, I, I just announced it. It's just it's happening. So, uh, but apparently that's gonna happen. So, uh, if you're looking for an outfielder, uh, how what percentage of your fab are you willing to blow on Nick Markakis? Not a lot, only because I didn't like him coming into the year. And you know these guys are such creatures of habit. And now this will be a fourth restart for him. You know, with the offseason, the spring training, I've been trying to get things up. I, I'm not interested in this situation. I, again, I didn't like him coming into the year. Uh, I thought he w- very much overachieved last year. And just because of thing, like I could see him coming back and getting hurt within three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just um, <laughs> I like like there's not a ton of upside with Mark Agus. I mean, so like I don't understand. Uh, like blowing a crap ton of fat. I mean, this is a guy who you know 116 games last year. Uh, it had nine home runs. Like we're not talking about a guy who's going to be a world beater for your team. Uh, and the one thing we're, I think we're all realizing this year is, uh, the batting averages are going to be way fluky. It just, yeah. you know, and, and that's his biggest asset. So I don't know that that is someone I want to spend a lot of fab on. I, I mean, obviously in leagues where maybe people aren't playing is co- close of attention or can't afford to stash him. And you can, like, if you need the batting average help, I guess he, he's going to play every day once they uh, actually bring him up. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, when that happens. Um, but I just don't, yeah, I don't think he's, like, a huge difference maker necessarily. In and his value here. was, you know, his value a lot was in the runs he drove in because of where he hit in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, you could fall, we've, we've talked about, like, you can fall into 80 runs driven in if you hit fourth. It's really tough to find a guy that hits fourth almost every day and not drive in 80 over a full season. It's just the opportunities have presented themselves, uh, much like the case with the, the team we're going to talk about next, where a guy's got 13 RBIs, which is about 10 more than we projected for him on the year. <laughs> uh, but that's where that's where the Giants are with Solano, because Donovan Solano's hitting third or fourth, and he's already driven in 13 runs. And it's it's a crazy to look at that and say, wow. It's like, you know, then you look at how the Giants are putting things together. Uh, you know, Darren Ruff is playing nice in a platoon situation. Uh, Yastrzemski and Dickerson are getting on base, hence Solano's ability to drive in runs. Uh, and, and it's all coming together, and the Giants are going to make the playoffs, right? Uh, I mean... No, but like anything, can, like someone asked me on Twitter last night, like, "Hey, are the Giants for real?" I'm like, "Well, one, they they won last night, so they're five and four. Like, they're a 500 team." Um, wins of my team. Yeah, like I don't. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the thing I also said was like, uh, "It's a short season. I guess anything can happen, right?" Like we've seen really bad teams go on, you know, 60 game stretches. 
and then they fade. Well, there's no time, there's no fade this year, uh, you know, for some of those teams. So there's going to be some crappy teams in the playoffs, no matter what. So Variability rules the day, man. I, I want to mm-hmm. go, I think it was the, I always forget which year it was, the Devil Rays in like 04 had like this amazing hot stretch. And you're like, that team was bad. And yeah, they had some talented players, but that team, that team was not great. And they just had this run where you're like, what? Uh, where did this come from? And it was in the summertime. And I was like, hey, that was fun. I always forget which year it was. Uh, but just I always like to point it out because it's like this is what's possible. Even a bad team. Yeah, they'd had a stretch where they won uh, in the middle of the summer. They, you know, June 9th, they win their first game. And then they lost one game between June 9th and June 26th. Well, I mean, yeah. the Giants had get on hot streaks. Yeah, the Giants had a sixty-game stretch last year. I believe that was like thirty-nine and twenty-one. Like that would win you the division uh, if you're putting that sixty-game stretch in. You know, during the sixty-game season, let's not get like too excited, you Giants fans. And and my my, they're fourth in the division at five and four. <laughs> like every, every, they're just beating up on on the AL West right now, uh, which is a little weird uh, uh, situation, but. Uh, I put a bunch of Giants on our list today, largely because uh, they've got a home or they've got a series in Colorado this Yay. week. So uh, Alex Dickerson, Evan Longoria, Donovan Zolano, Wilmer Flores, any of these guys worth picking up for that four game stretch in Colorado? What's you know? It'd be interesting to see what the pitching matchups are because you look. I mean, they're uh, doing him. obviously the so, Giants are doing a lot of platoon situations. So who are yeah. the pitchers? They've got uh, Marquez, Hoffman, Gray, and Freeland. So three righties and a lefty. Okay, so that ma- makes me like Dickerson more uh, because you know Dickerson's obviously going to sit against the the lefty, but he's going to get three starts in Colorado when he's hitting high in the lineup. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I like uh, Dickerson. Solano's playing against righties and lefties. Longoria's going to play against righties and lefties. Um, so. Uh, those three are the three that I would be streaming in, especially if you play in NFBC leagues. You know, they're widely available, uh, and then you can you know you can rotate them out for the Friday through you know Sunday stretch uh, mm-hmm. because of those midweek moves for for hitters. Um, you know, another guy that might be somewhat interesting in really deeper formats uh, is Steven Duger. Uh, so he should uh, be playing in three of those four games. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, I really like Wilmer Flores and I wouldn't be surprised if they do let him, uh, you know, play over belt in a few of these games, but belt's contract is going to dictate that he, uh, that he's going to play someone, someone tweeted last night that Brandon belt is going to hit zero, 800, zero. Uh, that was going to be his triple slash this year, and it like he he just does not want to swing the bat unless it's like right in dead center in the zone. So, um, so yeah, so there's your your Giants pickups for that for that Rocky series. Uh, you know, I, I Solano is a really interesting dude because he does barrel the ball a fair amount. His ex batting average right now is uh, three forty six. Uh, he doesn't strike out. He, you know, he's got a good uh, understanding of the zone. He, uh, he, I think he in deeper formats, you know, fifteen team leagues or, or deeper. He's a guy that is still pretty widely available um, and uh, is interesting. You try to figure him out. Like I'm looking at where he's been in the lineup the last few days, and like versus righties, he seems to, you know, he's hit third 
on mm-hmm. Thursday night and Saturday against righties. He hit sixth against the lefty on Friday night, but he hit seventh against the righty on the 29th and fifth against the lefty. So, I mean, the good news is that he's pretty much in the middle of the lineup. Uh, and as long as the guys are, are getting on base in front of him, yeah, uh, that's that's doable. But it, I was trying to look for a trend, and even the trend is – if he's if it's a lefty, he's in the bottom half. If it's a righty, he appears to be in the top half, except for that that Thursday night mat that Thursday night matchup where he hit seven. Yeah, I if you're trying to find trends from the Giants this year, you're not gonna find them. They are doing some weird crap and uh it's super annoying. I love Gabe Kepler. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so annoying. Like they just have to be determined as all their pitchers until right before they have to submit those lineup cards. Um, and then uh, that was another thing, like uh Last night, Drew Smiley allows three stolen bases in the first inning. Three. But then he settled down and pitched nicely in the second, third, and fourth inning. But then he was out. Uh, and so it's like uh, was, uh, texting with one of my league mates. He's like, yeah, Smiley, by the box score, was player of the game. But somebody else got the wings that came in and pitched like a third of an inning. And by the way, relief wins. It's now a 52 to 48 split. Relievers are have overtaken mm-hmm. starters. And it's held for the last three or four days. Oh, I was telling Paul, I'm in. I think it was. I think it's one of my main event leagues, um, but it, not uh, quite sure off the top of my head. But I am first in wins and last in strikeouts. <laughs> like it's just not a combination you ever normally see. But it's because I yeah. streamed all those uh, all, all those relief pitchers in the first week and a half. Um, yeah, so it's fifty five wins for starters, sixty for relievers heading into play Sunday. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, Nick Madrigal make, uh, made his major league debut. He waited the service time, uh, you know, clock, uh, and now he is up. Is he a guy that you're really interested in, in picking up in fat? Grounded out in his first at bat. He's clearly a bust. Um, the <laughs> issue in all seriousness though, is he's going to hit ninth in this lineup. There's, there's no way to displace. You're not going to displace what's at the top, even with now that with Tim Anderson being on the IL now, it's like now Madrigal's up. So it, you know, the timing worked out well for them is that they could elevate Madrigal. But if he even moves up in the lineup, maybe it's to seventh. But, you're, you know, with Robert, or with Robert, I keep wanting to say that, Robert, Moncada, Abreu, Grandal, Encarnacion, Jimenez, it's like there's no room for Nick Madrigal in, in the top of the lineup. So he's going to hit low. Uh, and But the, he could be that second table setter because that lineup most of the time is not going to go one, two, three, one, two, three in the second. So you figure Madrigal should get some plate appearances in the second inning, and he's going to get three, possibly four a game and get the opportunity to be driven in by the Thunder at the top of that lineup. I, mean, I like Nat Madrigal. I have two shares of him coming into the season. Obviously, extreme contact rate, which is which is the great part about him. But again, he's going to get maybe he's going to get three plate appearances a game, sometimes four trying to get a fifth. That's going to that's going to be tough to do, even with the way this White Sox lineup can hit when it's all when it's firing on all cylinders. Yeah, uh, the hitting at the bottom of that lineup is a really big deal, and I don't think people are talking about it enough. So I'm I'm glad you brought it up uh, because I mean this is a guy who isn't projected to have like a ton of power necessarily, um, and likely I mean, while he does have speed, if you're in the bottom of the lineup, it's unlikely you're going to be running a whole hell of a lot. And I mean, so really, his his biggest asset is the thing that's fr- extremely fluky this year. Fluky every year, but uh, you know, batting average extremely fluky. Uh, hitting at the bottom of the lineup means less plate appearances to get a chance to actually 
use that batting average uh, correctly. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see myself putting in... I mean, obviously, if you're in kind of like either fast finger league or, you know, you lose like the top waiver priority, yeah, go ahead and, you know, blow it there. But if you're in a fab league and he's still available, um, there's absolutely no chance I'm going to spend what it takes to get him. I mean, over the course of a season, if I remember the rule, it's like 18 plate appearances per spot in the lineup mm-hmm. difference. And, you know, when you're, when you're again, you're talking about hitting ninth over the course of a week, you know, in six games. That is, you know, 18. If you play six, he's getting 18 at bats where you've got you know, other guys are four or five. So that could be 24 to 30. And that adds up over the next six weeks. That's where it adds up. I da- I actually did the math on it at the beginning of the shortened season for guys like Byron Buxton, who were supposed to be batting ninth. And the difference between the first spot in the order uh, and the last spot in the order uh, in a 60 game season is about 50 plate appearances. Which is honestly a when I mix amount. leagues, that is that is a huge in, in mixed leagues. That's where I drew the line. I, it was one of the things I had a column on. If you were hitting below six, you were way down my chart, way down. Now in a, in a single league format, which is where I have Madrigal, you don't have that luxury. It's like, oh, he's possibly going to start. I'm going to take him. That's where it was. But it's just like if you weren't hitting one to six, you were you were getting discounted. I needed you higher in the lineup. All right, uh, let's talk about Homer Bailey, a uh, guy I really liked coming into the year. It's been up and down so far uh, through his first two starts. Uh, has a, a nice matchup this week, I want to say. Now I'm, now I'm forgetting where it was. Oh, it's, I believe, at Pittsburgh. Uh, so are you streaming uh, Homer Bailey this week? Against Pittsburgh, absolutely. I mean, it, you got you, you would... <laughs> The, the Colin Moran experience has to end at some point, given that he has a 62% home run to fly ball ratio. Uh, that's got to end. But, yeah, with Minnesota and the and the run support that they're providing their pitchers, and Homer Bailey's already gone. Fight, like, he can, he can get you the five innings for the win, and that Pittsburgh lineup is not good. Uh, and he has the opportunity to get a nice win there with probably and, – and their pitching staff's taking a beat. They just lost Miss Ke- Mitch Keller to lat soreness in the middle of the start yesterday. Oh, uh, God, I so, didn't even see that. Yeah, yeah, he he left the game injured, so that's problematic. And yeah, that's a really nice matchup and a, and a stack. And he should be able to. I would be surprised if he didn't walk away with a win in that outing. Yeah, he's he's definitely a guy that, if available, I'm I'm picking up uh, in your you know 10, 12 team leagues. I'm sure he's gone in in most 15s, but shallower formats, definitely a guy to go and stream this week with that great matchup. Uh, you see Kikuchi. Uh, a guy that I was very high on coming into the season, um, but had just a rough schedule, went out last night and just was amazing. Uh, nine strikeouts, obviously the bullpen, the, the bullpen, uh, uh, blew it for him. And so he didn't get the win. Uh, but is Kikuchi a guy that you're interested in picking up? I uh, drafted him in two different leagues uh, because we saw him. We saw the news in spring training where he was throwing harder. Uh, but there was there was noise like that last year uh, on him, where it's like, yeah, he came into the season and then you know things cooled off. But you can see it like if you look at the the data now. Last year's four seamer average ninety two and a half. This year ninety five and a half. That's a three mile an hour jump uh, in the velocity and even the the cutter ninety two eight. Um, wasn't throwing a cutter last year. It was slight. Now it could be pitch classification issues, but his slider was uh, the slider was 86, and the slider this year showed 84. So the cutter 
looks like a new pitch that has popped up for him. He's thrown it 72 times, coming in at 92.8 is what it, the things are saying. But that with the new velocity jump, you should take notice of what's uh, of what's possible here uh, on things. Last year, people were hitting 302 off that fastball. So far this year, 211. And so that pairing of that fastball cutter seems very intriguing uh, on him. Again, the bullpen situation. That's what that's where things stink. And they need to give Matt. Maybe Matt McGill will get a save chance here at some point um, because they gave it to uh, Altavia and he didn't do the job matt mcgill has pitched pretty decently uh there but you know that hasn't happened but yeah i was already in on kikuchi and what i've seen so far has validated the reason why i targeted him late in drafts uh versus like changing my mind yeah this is something i started talking about i want to say in november or december um was i mean there, there were re- the reports that he was having his velocity was coming back uh but more importantly it was the movement on his breaking pitches uh, that I saw during a video that got tweeted out during like a, a throwing session um, that made me really intrigued on him. And I think everybody was overhyped on him last year. It takes some time adjusting to the major leagues for a lot of guys. You know, not everybody, you know, you know hits the ground running uh, in their fir- first time, especially as a pitcher uh, in the majors. So uh, I think people kind of unfairly judged that first season and, now I think he's going to be a very useful pitcher. I, you know, I, uh, you you've put in uh, in the show notes a tweet by Alex Fast uh, that really highlights just how well he did. I'll, I'll leave it in the show notes so people can uh, go and uh, go and find it. But uh, Alex, you know, Fast said, you know, twenty percent swing strike rate is career high. Thirty eight percent CSW is a career high. Sitting ninety five, ten whiffs and seven called strikes on the cutter. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that's impressive. Um, that'll do pig. Yeah. I, I used him last <laughs> night in my, in my main event. Uh, pretty stoked about that. Cause it's definitely a team that needs some of the strikeouts. So, uh, yeah, Kikuchi's a guy, he's got a home start versus Colorado, uh, Colorado on the road after they've been, uh, hitting for a little bit in, in Colorado, uh, is typically a, a decent bet. So, uh, I'm, I'm definitely down to stream him this week. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to another pitcher. I think this one is, you know, one of those, uh, is, is just extremely surprising to everybody. Like, you know, some people did call Kikuchi, uh, or, or really was, you know, hyping Kikuchi coming into the, uh, uh, you know, preseason time. Nobody was hyping Tyler Chatwood and for good reason. He's been absolutely garbage. Uh, since he signed that contract <laughs> in uh tell us how you really feel justin <laughs> i mean uh, i wasn't one of the people who was like all hyped on him when he signed that deal because there were a lot of people well he's, he's leaving colorado he's gonna be good like what what in colorado made you think he could be good somewhere else um <laughs> that being said uh he, he was effective last year as a reliever they've had to move him back into the rotation because uh they, they just need the bodies um, and so far he has been dominant. So is this a guy that we think can sustain the gains that he's made this year? So good article by Jordan Bastian that I tweeted out. It's also in the show notes about the cutter. Like he started playing with this grip on his cutter last year when he got relegated to mop up duty. Uh, and you can see that he was getting new action on the cutter. And even when I look back at new pitch tracker, the article that I have for this year was him working on a backdoor cutter. Now, the backdoor cutter has not, and you know, again, that is you're you're facing a you're facing a righty, you're facing a lefty, and he's throwing it off off the outside and cutting back on the plate. 
That's not showing up in the in the pitch track data that I'm looking at Savant as much. He's he's throwing more cut still more cutters in on lefties. So I'm not seeing that particular action there saying, okay, yeah, that's there's definitely a, a clear difference um, on things. But when you look at how he's attacking guys, like when he's facing righties, he's still in the kitchen sink at the righties. Curves, cutters, four seamers, I mean everything. But then you look at lefties uh, and there's a big difference if you go to 2020 and look, there's some change-ups away, some curves down, cutters mostly in on the hands, four seamers up. And that's where he got beat up. I mean, you look back at last year's numbers against lefties, and they just trashed him, absolutely trashed him. As I had it up earlier, and I wanted to pull up because where he, that's where he took a beating when you go to the splits binder and take a look at uh, where things were uh, as a breakdown. And he just got – just got hit hard, and that's when this year that's the difference so far. But you know, lefties last year, last year lefties hit 306 with a 393 OBP and a 357 Woba off him. That's you know that's the kind of beating he took then. But then you look and focus on this year, and so far hitting 133 with a 194 Woba, and he's not walking the moon. He's got you know he's faced 33 of them, has walked three, has struck out 14, has allowed four hits. Uh, but last year, the, the lefties just got to him where he just walked too many guys. He had 17 walks. Uh, ERA was 445 against lefties. So, so far, the approach seems to be, okay, I'm doing new things against lefties where I'm going to run my sinker away, my four seam up, my cutter in, and my curve down. Uh, and that's how he's been uh, working his pitches, mostly sinkers and cutters, 44% on the sinker, 27% on the cutter. And if you read the article by Jordan Bastian that the uh, – the talk, uh, if you read it, talks about struggling to cover both sides of the plate, and that's the and that's been the the success in his approach is like he's not just sitting in one side of the zone; he's attacking both sides of the zone, and the cutter has got more movement to it and has been a weapon for him. And I think you know he's he's honing in on that because you go back and look at his pitch spots from 2019; it's a similar percentage of pitches, but things are all there was no really clear plan. I mean, everything was. Like it looks like a shotgun blast. Everything's all over the place, and it doesn't look like there was a clear plan of attack. But you've watched him pitch twice now, and he's throwing first pitch strikes, which has obviously always been a problem with him. Where he falls behind in the count, and then he's got to sit on. You know, I'm coming fastball, but if he can get ahead, that's where things are different for him. So far, it's been a better plan of attack um, and getting ahead on the pitches, and then just utilizing his entire uh, utilizing his entire repertoire. Uh, and the biggest jump really is a swinging strike. I mean, his swinging strike rate last year was nine. This year, it's 17. Didn't add a new pitch. It's just how he's using the pitches he has. And that's a that's a noticeable difference for him uh, and with his stuff, where, again, he's he's not you know, he's not getting in those 3-1 counts, those 3-0 counts, those 2-0 counts like he habitually would. Uh, and so far, so good. And the, the, the new cutter is uh, – or the new – action on the cutter the new difference that seems to be where things are are really speaking out and i'm looking at like uh, some of the data on it last year the cutter had you know 2.9 inches of, of horizontal movement this year four seven it went from being a barely average cutter to one significantly above the uh, the league average uh, on things so he's getting more on that it's more of a tighter because even like the drop on the pitch 27 six this year 29 nine last year Velocity-wise, they're the same pitch, but he's getting more horizontal movement on it, so it's looking like a fastball on the outer third and then disappearing off out of the zone. And so guys are swinging around, uh, swinging 
around it, swinging under it, or just thinking they're squared it up and it's going off the end of the bat. And so, and he's utilizing that to his uh, to his advantage. I wonder how much this is an impact of David Ross managing the team, like you know, and just he was a pretty decent game caller uh, when he was when he was a catcher, uh, especially for the Cubs. So, like, I wonder if this is him kind of getting into. Tyler Chatwood's ear and, and really, and, and maybe Wilson Contreras' ear too, because he was the catcher for both of those starts, um, which actually surprised me a little bit because Contreras hasn't always been known as, as the greatest game caller. Um, but yeah, he is attacking hitters much differently. Uh, this reminds me, and obviously I don't think he's going to turn into Carlos Carrasco, but remember when Carrasco was working in the bullpen and we went, wow, the stuff is really playing well. I wonder if, you know, they end up moving him to the rotation, if he can keep some of those gains. It, it just reminds me of when Carrasco kept the gains from a reliever into a starter and then turned into an elite starter. Not that I want to th- say that Chatwood can, you know, sustain all of this. Um, obviously, a short sample early on in the season, but I think he's definitely worth picking up uh, and kind of riding riding the hot streak. And, yeah, he, he's a super, super interesting uh, and you look right at the, his approach. I mean, last year, you look at the percentage of pitches he threw, 70% of his pitches last year were fastballs. 70%. The cutter was his fourth most popular pitch. It was 10% of the time. This year, he's still throwing a sinker 44% of the time, but the cutter's 27%. And then the curve comes in, and then the four-seam fastball. And the four-seam fastball, by the way, has yet to be thrown to a righty. It's all lefty. 15 fastballs, uh, four-seamers, 15 to lefties, zero to righties, zero change-ups to righties, but nine change-ups to lefties. Like, he has thrown five different pitch types to lefties. And when you get back to, again, lefties hit him hard last year, and now they've got to think about five different pitches? That's a difference. I mean, even he did it last year, too, but, again, the cutter was a uh, – you look against lefties, and, you know, he threw 30, uh, 131 cutters last year, 30 of them to lefties. I mean, he was primarily fastball to lefties last year. Uh, with the changeup being the third most popular pitch. And he's turned that approach around uh, to say, okay, yeah, you're going to sit fastball, but guess what? I'm throwing a cutter on the middle, and it's going to cut look middle-middle and then end up on your hands and see what you can do with it. Or I'm going to throw it on the inner third and force you to do something with it, uh, and they're not. I mean, the cutter right now, he has yet to allow a hit off the cutter against uh, at all. I mean, he's, he's had 49 cutters, uh, over 13 plate appearances, uh, 0 for 12 with nine strikeouts. Yeah, and I mean, he's got uh, a Wednesday start this week uh, versus Kansas City, which we love to see. One, Kansas City's great, and two, I love looking at Tuesday and Wednesday starters because often that means they, they're they going to be in line for a two-step the following week, uh, and Chatwood is one of those guys who, you know, great Wednesday matchup here against Kansas City and then lines up for a two-starter against uh, at Cleveland and then home versus Milwaukee. Uh, two offenses that really haven't been able to get it going yet. So uh, if you're looking for one of those kind of guys, uh, I think he's a pretty interesting pickup for this week. Yep. Uh, let's talk about some uh, two-start uh, pitchers worth considering. Uh, you tell me how much fab you'd be willing to throw down on a uh, on, the, on the guy. So let's start with Zach Plesak. He's at Cincinnati and then at Chicago for the White Sox. Uh. T- well, with Votto being out, the matchup's a little easier with Cincinnati, but still not a, a not a easy. Th- those aren't great matchups. Uh, but Plesak had you know, pitched well in his debut. Uh, that has looked good, but those aren't great matchups. So, 
man. Twenty uh, percent uh, because Cincinnati. I mean, uh, Cleveland is going deep with their starting pitchers, and that's what you want to see. Uh, they're one of the few teams that are using the rotations like a like, hey, we have a good rotation, and we're going to use it. Uh, and other uh, some of these other teams have been like three and four and dive, but Cleveland not so much. Uh, but I'm yeah, about twenty percent, but I'm not crazy about those matchups. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I really like Plesac, and um, there's definitely going to be a league or two where I kind of go hard on him just because I really need the strikeouts. Um, and the two step is it, it's it's a it's not like you said not easy matchup, but it's also not something I'm necessarily going to run away from. What about Matt Shoemaker at Atlanta than at your Tampa Bay Rays? You know. How I guess it's because of the whole COVID stuff. It's just crazy that Matt Shoemaker only has one start so far. I mean, he looked yeah. really good in that start. Well, too. and they and lost games because of yeah, because of yeah. The, yeah, yep, yeah. But he is he looked really good in that start. What I liked about him is it's you know fastballs up, splitters down, mm-hmm. uh, and that and that particular kind of approach has been problematic on Tampa Bay. So it's like we have this one sample size. But again, look if you go back and look, and I wrote about it last week at RotoWire. You look over his last twelve starts. And he has been very effective, uh, and that's uh, that's where things come into. That's where he looks good since he's come in over to. Uh, uh, it's a, you, now that the problem is those twelve starts go all the way back to September of 2018. That's been the issue because he missed time last year. But when you look at his last twelve starts, 203 opponent batting average, 102 WHIP, three ERA with a 351 FIP, 17% strikeout minus walk ratio. 13% swing strike rate, 68% first pitch strikes. That plays. And that's over 12 starts, and it's not just the, the Tampa Bay uh, matchup. Now, Atlanta is a is, can be a tough matchup when everybody is on fire, when everybody is uh, healthy in that lineup. And they are now. You know, when they get they got their starting catchers back, you don't have those rookies at the bottom of the lineup, and, and everybody is back in. Uh, but, yeah, I'd go with Shoemaker because we yeah. – like I've said about Tampa Bay, offense is struggling so far. They've opted out of the season here this past week, and this is exactly this is exactly the type of pitcher that gives them fits. I mean, you saw it yesterday with LeBlanc. You saw it on Friday night with Alex Cobb. It's like guys that throw 89 to 92 with a bunch of junk and can move it around are just frustrating this team. You even saw it with Max Fried when he when he beat the team mm-hmm. uh, when he beat the race. It's like these are the types of pitches that drive them nuts. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd be more aggressive. If you're just playing week to week, I'd be more aggressive with Shoemaker than I would be on Plesek. All right. Uh, I'm with you on Shoemaker. I really like what he's doing. It's just a matter of how long he can stay healthy for. Uh, Framber Valdez at Arizona and at Oakland. I don't, I'm not going to be aggressive here at all because what's the upside? I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's Houston. Yeah, you can get run support, but is he going to go five innings? Unlikely. Is that bullpen going to blow it for him? Most likely. Uh, I don't see the upside here. I this is one I would stay away from. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'd actually pivot here and take Christian. Um, oh God, I'm now. I'm. Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Christian Vasquez, uh, the rookie that they just called up. So uh, because he. He gets that Wednesday start at Arizona, but Christian Javier. Oh, Christian Javier. Wow, uh, I'm I'm really all over the place today. Apologize for that. <laughs> I'm like Vasquez. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Christian Javier. He he gets that Wednesday, uh, start uh, against Arizona, and then he gets a two step at home versus San Francisco and Seattle. Yeah, that's a good call. Next week. So like that to me is much more interesting than some of these two start guys. 
uh, you know, hopefully they'll have some healthy arms in that bullpen by next week. Um, my boy, Kyle Gibson at Oakland and then versus uh, the Angels. Yeah, uh, you would figure that Mike Trout will be back in the lineup by then. But Otani uh, which... won't be. Because oh, yeah? he'll, he'll be pitching for the weekend series. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. I put him I put him in between of these five that were these six that we're talking about. I'll put him fifth, fourth. Sorry, fourth. So right about where he's ranked. I'd take Shoemaker, Plesak, uh, one of the guys we haven't gotten to yet, and then Gibson. I'm gonna I'm gonna take him third. So I'll, I'll bump him above Valdez. Valdez is probably going either fifth or sixth on this list for me. What about, is Alex Mills the guy you're talking about versus Kansas City and then at St. Louis? Yeah, I'm going to take my shot with Alec Mills uh, ahead of Kyle Gibson just because I like those matchups better. Okay, I, I get that. I The only thing I worry about is if, um, you know, it was like that Miami series was, you know, was last week was supposed to be like, oh, you know, they're just going to cancel this game and then they canceled the whole week for them. Yeah. I just have that worry about... I mean, at worst, at least you're getting the start versus Kansas City. Uh, so, but like, I'm really, really worried about any of my, you know, pitchers that their only start this week is against Seattle. If you well, let's be real, like options. the the Detroit doubleheader is already delayed by rain today. Uh, you know, somebody else, Brandon Moore, makes a point. Like, what's going to happen when we get halfway through the season? Some of these teams are eight and twenty-two, and guys start opting out. Like Lorenzo Cain. Well, Lorenzo Cain, different reasons. You know, fine. But what's going to happen when some of these teams start like, eh, we're not, even with 16 teams making the playoffs, we're not doing it. I, you know, these guys, basically, the stories now for the teams that are behaving is they're just basically staying in hotel rooms playing video games when they're yeah. on the road. Which and is what they like, should be doing. if you're 8-22, like, screw this. This is boring. I'm out. You know, whatever. You know, I can. So it'll be interesting to see. And I made the talk about Kevin Smith going uh, list. They actually, he's actually been cleared. He's back on the team today. So, yeah. Uh, Scratch, scratch a catcher off the list, but there you go. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see uh, where this is going to go because these uh, these opt outs. You, you see, Kane doing it is noticeable because that's a big name, like a leader in the clubhouse type of thing. Doing it, uh, you know, is, is just the first domino of some of the stuff to fall. Uh, we'll have to see, but yeah, the, I, I agree. It's like you want you look at the schedule, you're like oh, this should play, and then you get two tests, and everybody's shut down for the week. Yeah, it's it's going to be really frustrating if we're able to make it through a whole season. But what are your what are your percentages? I mean, kind of part of me feels bad because like for some of you guys, this is your like I have a full time job, right? And I've got I know for a lot of people that listen to this, are friends with like this is their livelihood, and I don't even want to joke about they should just shut it down. I've done I've done it a few times, but it's like. I, I'm doing it because I really hate how baseball has handled it, and I, I hate the, how some of the players have been cavalier. And I think we talked about this last week, just watching dudes in the in the thing, you know, high fiving each other, spitting things around, hugs. It's like Jesus, you guys. There's protocols, follow them, right? And so, but at this point, it's like even when the stuff around the the Cardinal stuff came out and different things, it's like for me, I think. I think there's like a 50% chance you and I are having this conversation next weekend about games being played this week. Uh, because that's, that's re really where I, where I am uh, because every week brings something else. And then as things go on, it's like this whole Philly situation looked bad, but now we're finding out that, okay, it was all right. 
but how then you have the St. Louis Cardinals thing hit, and then Mosellock's pissed that people are looking into why it's hitting St. Louis. No, that's exactly what you should be doing. Why is it happening to some guys in this roster? And who else have they been in contact with? What's avoidable? Is somebody being an idiot uh, and needs to be put on a suspended list because they're being a moron uh, and not following the protocols uh, intentionally? Those types of things. Yeah, I, I, I'm i very scared Like that this is going to derail the whole season. And I mean, I said it all along. Like I think they're going to f- start and I think they're going to finish. It was going to be what happened in between. Because there's too much money involved, yeah. you know, for the for for game for the for the season to start, and then obviously for the playoffs. So, like, I really think that it will still start and finish, but I do worry that at some point they're gonna have to shut it down for two weeks and then just make a decision. Well, we're gonna do what NHL is doing, which is like a round robin tournament for for the yeah. playoffs. So uh, I, I do worry and. Um, you know, I've got a full-time income as well, but a lot of my income is tied up into fantasy uh, analysis and fantasy league. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it would be a huge bummer. So I, I'm definitely uh, definitely a little bit more anxious having to take some more Pepto-Bismol on a daily basis to kind of make it through. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'm hoping this is a wake-up call. Ultimately, uh, you know, so we were talking about, the you know, when uh, Manfred, you know, called the network's that you know that carry MLB uh, during the season and you know advise them to make plans for alternate programming. Um, I said like this is this is a total that's a total bluff. This is like you you as a parent telling your kid hey, you're extra you're not going over your friend's house and then like fake calling the friend's parents be like oh, I don't know if Timmy's gonna be able to come over. You know he's been in a lot of trouble. But yeah, uh, at the same time. Too many more of these breakouts, and I think the season has to be halted. Yeah, I think one more, and they're going to have to halt it. And then we get to, they may get to the point where it's like, okay, this kind of winning percentage. Because, again, we're not going to have 30 teams play 60 games. Oh yeah, We're going to have some with 55 and some. It's like Mm -hmm. there's got to be some kind of threshold at some point where, like, you have to have, like, 52 games played. And the credibility, honestly, the credibility of the season is just getting worse and worse. Um, But... Yeah, at some point they're going to have to do something. Uh, I believe they, uh, I believe they said that it, everything is based on winning percentage this year because they did know, they did realize that it was likely not every team was going to get sixty games. Um, but I believe they had originally set the threshold at fifty five games. They're going to have to lower that. Uh, I, yeah, they are because we already have some teams that are there. We already have some teams, and they, they try to make it up because again, we've been we've been pretty lucky on on um, weather. There haven't been too many, uh, but you know that 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 may change. Uh, and then what are you going to do? You can only play so many double headers. And today is the first, you know, the start of the seven inning double headers, or yesterday was. I'm sorry. Uh, so and I do wonder, that. I do wonder if you're right about like some of these teams that you know obviously not going to have you know playoff aspirations as we start getting into September and they they start doing the math on okay, well with 22 games left, this is what I stand to make. Is this worth? you know, showing up for anymore uh, if we are going to have a rash of, of opt-outs uh, at some point. So uh, definitely something to consider. In- embrace the chaos. I'm just still embracing the chaos and yeah. and uh, enjoying baseball while it lasts. Uh, let's finish out with Jeff Hoffman versus uh, San Francisco. So home, at San Fr- home versus San Francisco and then at Seattle. Any interest in the former top, what, like, uh, he was the ninth overall pick in 2014? <laughs> yeah, he was. Um I know I've 
previously professed love. This would be his first outing of the 2020 season. Uh, matchups wise, that's you know what else could you ask for? Yeah, the, right. a, a Giants lineup, uh, but the you know it is the Giants at home and then Seattle on the road. So matchups wise, okay. If it, like if you have a nice cushion, it may be worth the attempt to see what you can get out of this one because uh, you may be able to land two wins out of this. Um, it, it, but if he's going to go far enough, and that's the unknown because again with this 30 man roster and his first outing, this may only be he may get seven innings across three outings or two outings rather. So that's where. It's tough. You got to balance between the matchup and the upside. Matchups are really good, but is he going to go five innings in either one of these? And he's not a great source of strikeouts or ratios. So I got to pass on this one. Yeah, I, this is definitely a riskier one, um, but one you won't have to spend a lot of fab in in mixed leagues. Obviously, NL only. You 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 you, you know roll the dice and hope for it. I mean, I will say, <laughs> I was going to say like he went he went five innings or more in each of or in five of his last six starts in September last year so like I don't I think he'll be able to go deep enough into the games uh to get the wins it's just will it if you're willing to risk those ratios because especially in Colorado uh you know I mean against the Giants last year he went three and a third it was the only start he didn't go uh, at least five innings uh gave up three runs so uh, in that September start, I think I think if I if I felt like my ratios were really really uh, you know doing really well, and I do have some leagues where like my ratios have been pretty damn great, and I'm just looking for you know a few extra strikeouts and, and a few wins, I, I I would take the shot. Um, but it, it is yeah, that's got to be where you're risky. at. Yeah, that's got to be where you're at. Is you have to have enough of a cushion. Mm-hmm. That, if you like you said, if you've got a couple of leagues where you have where you have that luxury, like, okay, I'll take a shot, but that's where I don't have those leagues. Yeah. <laughs> or, or in like points leagues or, uh, um, head dead categories where you can, you know, punt some categories for the week. If, if that's the plan, if you're going to punt the ratios, then yeah, go ahead and roll Jeff Hoffman out there for two really nice matchups. All right. Uh, that is gonna do it for this episode. Jason, what do you got going on? Uh, let's see. Um, I'm writing about guys like, Chatwood and Kikuchi, Jalen Beeks, who is uh, striking out everybody he's facing this year, uh, looking at Colin Moran, and just trying to think of, there's a fifth guy, I forgot, but I was looking at five guys off the hot starts, and whether what the uh, why they're off to a hot start, and what to expect in the future, um, so that's, that's my particular piece this week. Nice, uh, and then uh, let's see. Uh, I'm writing like four days a week doing the rotor write up and a DFS column over on fan grabs. And then today on Sundays, I do my two fab pieces looking at, uh, the week ahead and then the following week. Uh, so kind of giving you kind of a two week snapshot of, of, uh, of fab options. Uh, so yeah, so some of those guys I mentioned who have those Wednesday starts are going to be in that, uh, what's on second article because they've got really nice uh matchups uh, or two-start matchups for next week next week's going to be really interesting because a lot of teams who only have six games or even five games pretty much nobody plays on thursday next week so uh just something to keep in mind if you're looking for at those guys who have the two-start matchups that i put in my column uh, there aren't a lot of two-start guys available in leagues for next week uh, Interesting. That's where how the schedule is. You would think even with makeup days with some of these things, they would have something. But I, yeah, I, yeah, I know Tampa Bay's got Monday and Thursday off. But I thought they have. I thought they switched a game. Maybe they are playing on Thursday now. 
Yeah, they had to adjust because of the Yankees, all the adjustments. I think they are playing on Thursday now. Yeah, so, Tampa Bay is uh, one of the few teams playing seven games next week. So, yeah. uh, But, I mean, Cleveland's got five games. Uh, the Yankees have five games. Uh, the Marlins still only have five games. But, I mean, some of that may be adjusted, like you said. I think the uh, Yankees have six because it's a doubleheader on Saturday now. Oh. Ooh, okay. Well, I, I did not catch that. It wasn't on my list. Every day is an adventure with the schedule, but I—that's what I recall seeing—is the Rays are playing a doubleheader now against the Yankees on Saturday. Picked a really fun season to start these articles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's uh, that will do it for us. For Jason, myself, thank you for listening. Have fantastic baseball season. Thanks, guys.